We're so glad you've joined us today for this teaching from City of Life Church. For information on City of Life and to find more teachings like this, visit us at www.col.tv. Now, let's join the service. I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 1 on this Founder's Day. I'm going to do a little interactive exchange here. And when I point to you, I want every one of you to speak your name out real loud each time I point to you. So God's talking to Jeremiah, or he's talking to, let's do that one more time. God's talking to Jeremiah, or he's talking to, and here's what he says. The word of the Lord came unto, before I formed you in the belly, before you came forth out of your mother's womb, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. So God is telling Jeremiah, before the earth was, before you were ever in your mother's belly, and before you came out of the womb, I sanctified you, made you a prophet, sanctified you, and ordained you, and sent you to the nations. So listen to what Jeremiah says. So then said, let's do it again. So then said, God, I can't even talk. I can't even speak good. And I feel like a child when I'm in front of people. But the Lord said to, don't say that. Don't say you're a child. You see, if you say you're a child, You are a child because you are what you say. God said, don't say that. Don't say I'm a child for shall go to all that I shall send you and whatsoever I command that you shall speak. And don't be afraid of their faces. Don't say I'm a child. Don't say uh, I don't feel like I can even speak or talk. Don't say that you're afraid to look at their faces. Don't be afraid of their faces. For I am with you to deliver you, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched mouth. He touched your mouth in eternity. And he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to, I have put my words in your mouth. I have this day, listen to what God says about Jeremiah and you. This day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, and to build, and to plant. You know what God did in eternity? He's just telling Jeremiah what he did. He said, you know, way back, you know, before you were ever in your mother's belly, before you ever came forth out of the womb back in eternity, he said, I painted a portrait. It was a beautiful portrait. It was a portrait of a prophet. And I sanctified the prophet and I ordained the prophet and I put my word in the prophet's mouth and I sent him out 
to tear down, kick out, pull away things that didn't belong in the world and to plant and to build up things that do belong in the world. And it was a beautiful portrait. And he did that with Jeremiah and with every one of us. And then God has this big machine in heaven once the portrait is finished. And this big machine comes down on this beautiful canvas and portrait and cuts it into a thousand pieces. Then God takes all the pieces and throws them in a box, puts a lid on the box, and hands it to you. And it's the puzzle of life. It's the puzzle of your life. It's the puzzle of my life. When we go on vacation every year, my wife, far as back as I can remember, has always bought a puzzle. And she puts that puzzle on the coffee table when we get there. There's a hundred pieces, hundreds of pieces. And there's always one of these big ones. It's a beautiful portrait that somebody painted. And then they took that portrait and a machine came down once they printed it and stamped into it and made a thousand pieces out of it. And then they threw it in a box. But they put a picture of the portrait on the cover of the box. And so by the end of the week of our vacation, our goal is for that puzzle to be complete. And it is complete every year. And I can tell you that it's complete. If she has to do it the last whole day, she'll make it every year we, we finish it. She's a go-getter about things like that. And that's the way life is, friend. And here's what I want you to hear today. That God comes to challenge us. God comes to charge us. Charge us with what we're going to be, who we are, who he's created us to be. And he comes to change us because we can't know the ultimate portrait of our life and our ultimate destiny unless God changes us. That's why today I want to talk about a new destiny. You say, well, what do you mean a new destiny? I thought we only had one destiny. We do. We only have one destiny. But that destiny has been stamped into a hundred pieces and every time a piece gets put into place, you see something new that you didn't see before when that piece wasn't there. So it's always a, 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 a revelation, it's always revealing, it's always new. There's something new about you and your destiny. Every time God drops another piece of the puzzle into place, you see a little more about the portrait that God painted before the foundation of the world of you. And so God challenges us and charges us and and changes us and he wants us to, to wake up and he wants to speak to our senses He wants to challenge us to believe in a big God. He wants to challenge us to be dreamers. He wants to challenge our paradigm because a lot of us say, well, you know, I think I want to work in medicine or I think I want to be an architect. I think I want to do this. I think I want to do that. And God says, hey, wait a minute here. I got a plan for your plan. I want to challenge that. I want you to go back, here's the the box and, and the picture. I want you to go back and look at the picture on the box. That's the portrait of your life. That's who I made you to be. That's who I designed you to be and that's what I designed you for. Romans 12 and two said be conformed or be not conformed 
or limited to this world system of spiritual poverty, but be transformed or released from the boundaries by the renewing of your mind. Don't be held into place by the boundaries of who your mother or your dad thinks you should be or your wife or your husband thinks you should be or your best friend thinks you should be. They'll build boundaries around you and they'll tell you who you are. God said, don't be held in those boundaries, but renew your mind by going back and looking at the picture on the box every day, the portrait that I painted of you. Don't let John tell you who you are because John doesn't know. Don't let Mary tell you who you are because Mary doesn't know. Go back to the box and look at the portrait and the picture. I am the designer, I'm the sculptor, and I'm the one that knows what the sculpture is supposed to look like. Now you can clap your hands, go ahead. God says, I wanna change what you say so I can change what you see. And you're saying the wrong things and you're seeing the wrong things. The reason you can't see what's on this box, the portrait, is because you're saying, I'm a child. I can't even talk good. I get frightened when I just look into their faces. God wants to change what you're saying so that he can change what you're seeing. He wants you to see clearly what the destiny is for your life and what he has called you to be. In verse five, the Bible said God formed Jeremiah. He formed him. Just little by little, he shapes him. See, he had all the pieces from the very beginning. He told Jeremiah, you know, before you were in your mother's belly, before you came forth out of the womb, said, I already had made you a prophet. I'd already formed you, shaped you. I'd already sanctified you. I'd already ordained you a prophet already sent you to the nation, already put my word in your mouth. All that happened before you ever were. Isn't that crazy? All of it happened before you were. He had all the pieces. You know what? He had to just drop them in a form. And you know what the form is? Jesus Christ. See, that's the form. He has a form and he has to put all the pieces that's why you renew your mind every day so that you can be conformed to the image of Christ. You can be pressed into that mold and be conformed to the image of Christ. And then along beside that image of Christ is the other part of it. And the other part of it is are you an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Are you a singer? Are you a prayer warrior? Are you a worshiper? What are you? Because God knows that part too. God's already put something in your mouth. God knows what he's already put in your mouth. He knows what you'll say, what you'll speak. He knows what you'll do. He told Jeremiah, you're gonna go out and you're gonna tear down. You're gonna, you're gonna pull down, but you're also gonna build up and you're gonna plant. God already knows all that. So we just have to be poured into that mold of Jesus Christ and be conformed to the image of his son. That's why Paul said in Galatians 4, 19, Little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. It's all about him being formed in you. You know, Aristotle and Plato had this running discussion 
two of the most brilliant men that ever lived in history, and they had this running discussion about what a sculptor uh, does when he makes a beautiful sculpture. And so Plato said you must first get in front of this mass of stone, this mass of marble, this mass of clay, and, and you must imagine what it looks like. And, what, and Aristotle said, no, no, no. He said, no, no, no. The sculptor comes and looks at this massive mass of stone and marble and clay and he sees what is already there on the inside and he just starts chipping everything away that does not belong there until he gets down to the thing that was already there from the beginning. You see, you cut away everything that doesn't belong there. Paul studied at the feet of Gamal, one of the greatest teachers of all time in history. And Paul wanted us to know how Christ is formed in us. And he's formed by renewing the mind. Don't, don't be limited to this world of, uh, of spiritual poverty. But let your mind be renewed that you can become everything God designed you to be when he designed your life in eternity. You see, everything that is not intended to be a part of your ultimate formation must be chiseled away. It's called subtraction, and it's not fun. Everybody say, not fun. You know, I remember the day we pulled up over here and started this church. We had one acre of land in that one little building right over there. And we pulled up and we had two cars. Really one and a half. I don't think you could call mine a car, but <laughs> she had an old pinto that smoked. And I asked her to borrow it one day and I was trying to make a little money for us to survive and I had a five gallon bucket of paint and I slammed the brakes on. Somebody stopped in front of me and and the five-gallon bucket of paint hit the back of the seat and the lid popped off and turned over and spilled all in the back end of her car. She talked to me for a week, but, <laughs> but she had this certain tone in her voice when she would talk to me. I was driving this old Volkswagen that, that one, the, the door on the driver's side wouldn't open because it had been hit from the side. And so I, it was really embarrassing. It was a stick shift. I had to slide across to the other side and get out. So I'd pull up out here, you know, trying to act like I was just anybody in the congregation. I didn't want anybody to know I was a pastor and I'd slide out of that, <laughs> that thing and come in. But you know, it, it was difficult. We had $10,000 that we'd worked very hard to save and I think they wanted $1,000 a week for that building out there and we had enough for 10 weeks. We sat down and had one of these life discussions where we just said everything we got in the world. We may, you know, that job I had on the railroad, we may never get anything like that again. I don't know. See, when you say it's not right, you see it's not right. And so I don't know, but you know, I do know something. God has, you know, he said something to us. So I knew that much about saying, and I could see a little bit. So we pushed all that out to the middle of the table, and we started out here. And, you know, it wasn't, uh, everything just didn't flow. You know, everything just didn't flow. Thing, there were times when we just didn't really know what we were going to do. Just, it just didn't look like things were going to work. And then over the years, I 
think about it how many times, you know, I had these little posses come to see me. You know what a posse is? I said, do you know what a posse is? You know, they have guns and ropes and they mean business. I had these little posses show up to see me from time to time. One time I was in a board meeting. This is true stuff. I just can't make this up. I was in a board meeting. One of the board members said, you know what? Said, we just need to do something different. You're not even a good pastor. Said, as a matter of fact, you don't even preach good. And so I went home and and uh, after that meeting, I was so down, my, my faith was dragging, and I felt so bad, you know, just like another posse, but these were my friend's posse. You know, the posse is really tough when it's your friends on the posse, and, they're, and they got the guns and the ropes. It's really tough. You know, I went home, and I wrote a letter of resignation, and I sat there and read that letter of resignation, and I looked at that letter of resignation, and then I just thought, you know, I'm going to look at the lid, I'm going to look at the picture on the box. And I pulled out the picture on the box and I looked at it and God said, that's not who you are at all. You know, you're a pastor. I called you to be a pastor. You're a preacher. I called you to preach. You're going to preach and you're going to preach well. You're going to teach and you're going to teach well. That's who I called you to be. And I got to looking into the picture on the box and looking at what the picture on the box said I was. And I took that letter of resignation and tore it up. And that happened the first year I was out here. That was 31 years ago. And you know what? I wasn't a good pastor. And you know what? I wasn't a good preacher. I wasn't a good teacher. But I had destiny. And it takes time for destiny to grow. It takes time for destiny to mature. It takes time for destiny to come into its own. The most beautiful flower in the world is concealed in the bud at some point. And you've got to give it time to develop and mature and begin to bloom and begin to blossom. And see, you don't know what to say in times like that. All you can say is, he's totally right. I, don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I didn't. I had, there was no book. Nobody gave me a book, said, here's how to do it. I just didn't know. But I knew one thing. I knew that there was a picture that I had seen that had been painted a portrait before the foundation of the world. And that portrait is the only thing that could and would ever be able to identify me. So preparation is important. And the word pair is the root word that preparation comes from. And the word pair means to remove the husk or to shuck it. To remove the husk or shuck it. And so preparation is the time in life when the meat on the inside or the vegetable on the inside is coming to fruition and becoming ripe. And you need the husk to protect the meat and the fruit on the inside until it becomes ripe. Don't come around trying to shuck me or shuck somebody else until it's ripe. I don't need to be shucked when you're saying, well, look at all that old rough outer crust and husk all over that guy. 
I need the husk at this point because the fruit inside of me is not ripe yet. Leave my husk alone. Don't try to shuck me before I'm ready to be shucked. And at some point, you look into the portrait and God just speaks to you and says, you're ripe. Now hold on. Get ready. We got a shucking going on. All the husk and the rough areas that has been hiding this beautiful fruit that I am developing on the inside is now gonna be shucked off and all the husk torn away so that the world can see the beauty of the meat and the vegetable that I've had on the inside all along. And that's who you are. That's what you are. Don't, don't, don't get worried about identity. Don't let people identify you you know, what is identity? Is it perception? Is it your perception of who you believe you are? Or is, is your identity, uh, the, your, your perception of your friends and who they believe you are? Is perception your opinion of who you believe you are or the opinion of others who they believe you are? Or is it a, a revealing of what's on the lid of this box here, the portrait that God painted of you in eternity that he is revealing to you one piece at a time as it goes in that puzzle and there's a new destiny every day as the portrait becomes more realistic and more readable to you and discernible to you knowing a little bit more about the picture of who you are. Don't get tired of the rough edges. Don't get tired of the husks that are on your life. Don't let John over here on this side look at all the pieces in the box and try to tell you who he thinks you are. Don't let Mary over here look at all the pieces in the box and tell you who they think you are. Don't let mom and dad tell you who they think all these pieces are. Don't let anybody tell you who all these pieces form and create if you want to know what all these pieces in your life means, go to the designer, go to the sculptor, go back to the picture on the box and take a look at it and God will give you another glimpse of who you are and he'll put another piece or two in place in the puzzle of your life giving you greater revelation as to who he has called you to be. Does that make sense? Well, give the Lord a good praise if it does. You see, layer after layer of this husk, when God starts that shucking process, that subtraction process, where he's got to pull things loose, shuck it, pull it loose, get the husk off the, that subtraction process, getting down to the meat of who you are. Layer after layer has to be peeled off by the Holy Spirit. Layer after layer that is encompassing the real you on the inside, the, the image of the portrait that God made of you. Stripping away, layer after layer, stripping away your mistakes, stripping away your sins, stripping away all the garbage of your life, revealing the beautiful deposit of God that is on the inside of you that has been there from the very beginning. Because God knew who you were when he painted that portrait 
and he knows who you are and he's the only one that can define you. So identity, what is your identity? Your identity can be known by simply looking at the box. You don't get it all. You only get as many pieces of the puzzle as you have allowed God to snap into place. You only get that part of the vision. See, some of us allow it a lot more easily than others. God just popping some in right and left because people are submissive to him. They don't question him and the puzzle gets built so much more quickly. And some like me take a lot longer. Got a lot more husk. I got a lot of husk. <laughs> and uh, God's got to strip it away and God's got to tear it away. You remember Ruth? It's one of the sweetest stories in the Bible. You know, she had a mother-in-law. Her name was Naomi. She loved her very much. They were a very happy family. And then all of a sudden, her father-in-law died. Subtraction. Then just out of the wild blue, her sister's husband, her, her, her uh, 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 son-in-law died. Son-in-law? Brother-in-law. Yeah, I knew that didn't sound right. Her brother-in-law died. And then the sister of the, the man that died deserted Ruth and Naomi and just left. And then the only thing that was left was Naomi, a hard, bitter woman that had suffering all kind of loss in her life. So here's Ruth. What she's got in her hand here is Naomi. God has put her with Naomi. And so father-in-law dies, the brother-in-law dies, the sister deserts them and leaves, and Naomi is bitter. And Ruth didn't know what else to do. I wrote this down. Yesterday, you'll know your identity by what you have in your hand. See, the only thing she had left was Naomi. All this subtraction, all this shucking, all this husk being torn away. You know, when everything's falling apart in your life and falling away in your life, people want something wrong with them. Just look at that. Something's wrong. No, there's nothing wrong. All that subtraction had to take place. All that husk had to come off, had to come away. And so she lost everything. So you will know your identity by what you have left in your hand. And she turned to Naomi and said, Naomi, you're my mother. You're my family. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to live where you live. Your God's going to be my God. And wherever you die, I'm going to die. Because you're what I've got in my hand. You're, you're the only thing left that God has given me. You're, God gave you to me. You've lost your husband, lost your son, lost your daughter-in-law. But, but I'm here and I'm tied to you. You're what I've got in my hand. And the bitter woman, Naomi, looked up and said, You know what? i got some relatives that live a little ways away. Why don't we just go over there? Maybe one of them will, will be merciful and have mercy on us. And they went over there. And... Uh, Sure enough, one of her relatives owned great fields and, and as they would uh, go out and harvest, he saw Ruth and Naomi. He told all of his workers, you know, uh, Boaz, and he had a son, Obed, uh, and he said, leave, uh, leave grain behind for the gleaners for Ruth and Naomi to glean. He said, leave, leave them a good bit. He said, well, why did he do that? Because he got to looking at the the portrait that God had painted of Ruth. And God had made a few really nice brush strokes with Ruth. 
You know what I mean? I mean, God, when he did this portrait, he just put the right little angles here and there. He says, this is for old Boaz. He's going to be coming along here one day. He's going to look out in the field, seeing Ruth bend over, pick that. He said, I'm going to do it. Is that okay? Some of you guys looking at me with a fishy eye, don't look at me that way. You, you got a TV in your house, you bring hell into your home. Don't worry about what I'm saying up here. Preach on, Brother Gary. And you know what? Married Boaz, here's one I'll challenge you with. You look at the lineage, the lineage of Jesus Christ. There you'll find the name and the lineage of King David, a little woman named Ruth. And when you look at the lineage of Jesus Christ, there you will find the name of a little woman called Ruth who let her identity be what she had in her hand. She said, I know this is the portrait is here. With everything falling away, I'm beginning to see it more clearly than ever. And how about Joseph? You say, I don't know what God could do with me. I'm kind of like Jeremiah. I, I can't talk. I, I feel like a child. I can't even look people in the face. What, and you don't know what I come out of. Well, look at Joseph. Look what Joseph came out, came out of. Talking about a dysfunctional family. When's the last time everybody in your family tried to murder you? That's what they did to Joseph, right? And it didn't stop there. When, when they couldn't kill him, they sold him to a slave train. He got carried off down to Egypt, sold on an auction block to a man named Potiphar, and then Potiphar's wife tried to rape him, and when he wouldn't go along with the deal, she screamed and said, he tried to rape me. They put him in prison, falsely accused, and he's sitting in there. What's happening to Joseph? Shucking, shucking, shucking. Shucking, shucking, shucking. Husks, husks, husks. Subtraction, subtraction, subtraction. Getting him ready for what? Move him right over here and set him second in command in the greatest, one of the greatest kingdoms, Egypt, there ever existed in ancient civilization, second only to Pharaoh himself. And God set him over there. And you know what he said in Genesis 50 and 20? He was praying and he said to the devil, he said, you meant it unto me for evil, but the Lord meant it for good. You know why it worked? I looked at the picture on the box and the picture on the box told me who I am. Look at the picture on the box. God's already painted a beautiful portrait of you let him make sense of all the pieces and put them together. Thanks for listening. Your generosity makes this broadcast possible. So if you'd like to be a part of what God is doing here, click give at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. Join us again for more great teachings like this one.